Hi everyone, hope you had a very good Christmas. These are the last days of the year, so most of the episodes this week will have the character of a recap, of a, of a review of the year. So this has been a very significant and unusual year, and it's in some ways, these are kind of the situations that people saw what they're made of, and people can sign and people can or go the other way. So today, as an act of justice, which according to objectivists is not pointing the finger and saying you deserve something bad, but justice is first and foremost recognizing the good. The episode today is about mentioning who are our personal heroes. And my co-host is Mark. So myself and Mark are going to mention the people who really inspired us in 2020. Now, let me make something clear from the beginning. This is going to be a personal thing. So, for example, I'm not going to mention the doctors, although obviously I'm very grateful for their lives they've saved. And I'm not going to mention the people who made the vaccines because it's so obvious for me that they're the top of the top, that there's nothing I can say that will make it, uh, that will, will do justice to <laughs> this, this endeavor. So we're going to mention either some... Uh, some people or some categories of people. And I'm going to start, Mark. So my first category of people is those doctors that's particularly on the early days of the pandemic. Those who had a voice and those who had a platform or something, and they risk their reputation to try to bring us some good news and try to tell us, look, this is obviously serious, but it's not the end of the world. I'm mentioning people like, for example, our very own, in terms of he's in the objectivist universe, Amis Adalja, where already from, actually from January, he gave very accurate predictions about the mortality, but also about when the vaccine would be out. But for me, even more important, because they were so ridiculed, people like Professor John Ioannidis, the professor of Stanford. Now, this guy, because he's Greek, in Greece, he was ridiculed so much that it was mentioned by someone that he was paid something ridiculous, something like uh, $2,000 to, to claim that COVID is not that bad. Now, you have someone who is among the most famous scientists in the world, but according to the lockdown fanatics in Greece, that person uh, sold out and tried and was a conspiracy theorist. Now, I remember in April watching some videos where he explains, look, this is your risk by AIDS. And at the end, he did the most radical thing that someone could do at that point. He smiled to the camera and he said, I'm optimist that things are going to be okay. And that talk, that said so much to me, right? And he got in trouble for that. Like, people are dying. How dare you do that? And the question is, so what do people want? Don't people feel good? Don't they appreciate when someone tells them, look, people, this is a difficult situation, but it's going to be, uh, odds are that we're going to make it. So I really appreciated that. Or another honorable mention, Professor Carol Sikora in the UK. Now, this is a person who is, uh, his expertise is cancer treatment. And throughout the pandemic, he did two things. He tried to remind people that don't underestimate your symptoms. So if you have symptoms that could be related to any cancer, please go check them. COVID is not the only problem here. And also he was one of the people who rushed every time to give us the good news. So a big thank you to these people who, again, did not do 
the thing that sold really well, which was just reproduce even more fear. And they told us that, you know what, this is, uh, this is gonna, things could be okay. So that's my first, it's more like a category rather than individuals, but again, Professor Ioannidis and Carol Sikora and Amy Sadalza are on top of the list for me. What about you? Well, so I have a category as well. Um, I think we've got an, we've got an ex, external pandemic out there, a virus that's, uh, that's shaking up the world, but there's also an epistemic virus out there called wokeism. And so for me, anybody, particularly in the intellectual community who rises up against wokeism, and not only, not only uh, is the dissenting voice, but an articulate uh, an articulate disseminator of information and a, 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 a rational warrior against this insanity that we know as wokeism gets props for me. So right now that means in, in, in order of, uh, of activity on social media, James Lindsay, uh, Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose. These are liberal um, academics I think uh, James Lindsay is a, a mathematician. Uh, uh, Peter Bogosian is a philosophy teacher at a university in, in Portland, Oregon. I'm not sure exactly what Helen Pluckrose's expertise is, uh, but they're all high-level academics. Um, they they came on the national radar uh, when they exposed uh, activist academia for being uh, prejudicial. They did a whole video series exposing. Where they, where they sent in fraudulent papers that got peer-reviewed and then put in peer-reviewed journals. And they were, of course, pilloried for it by academia. And they've written a couple of great books, How to Have Impossible Conversations, uh, Peter Bogosian and uh, James Lindsay. And most importantly, from James Lindsay, uh, Cynical Theories. Being but James here. is out there on the front lines, on social media, on Twitter, battling these woke academics every single day, cutting off heads, dismembering woke bodies and taking no names and unapologetic, unapologetically doing so, which, which is at great risk to his own career because they're coming, the, the academic trolls are coming after him in force and they're trying to destroy his credibility. So thank you, James Lindsay, Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose for being studs and standing up against the, the woke hordes. Yeah, now we haven't rehearsed this. We don't even know each other's choices. But uh, let me add to that, that since, uh, 2020 was the year that probably I've read more books than ever in my life. Cynical Theories is probably the nonfiction book that had the most impact on me. Here's the thing. I think this book is very useful, even for people, quote, on the other side. Because nowhere else can you find such good definitions, for example, about First time in my life, I, I really understood what is queer, for example, what is queer theory, although I'm teaching it. So don't people, uh, people need to be careful in one thing. They do a perfect job in slaying the dragons of chaos, as Jordan Peters would say. But also, before they did that, they did an excellent job in understanding actually what the other side is saying. So they're not attacking a straw man. They're attacking the best that the other side has to do. And because I'm teaching a lot of these things, this book really helped me to understand the other side. But also, yeah, you're right. It took real, real guts around May and June when people were losing their jobs. Let's remember this for liking. A, for, so if your girlfriend liked the post on Instagram that criticized BLM, you could lose your job. And we saw examples of this. So it really took guts 
So I agree with, uh, with Mark. So here's my second category. It's actually the people who were eager, and this is what I call sense of life, to, to return to some form of normal life already early enough and do it with safety. And the person I have in mind here is Dana White, the, the CEO of UFC. So already from April, Dana White is trying to, to, do, uh, to do fights. So he had, he had on the line the most anticipated fights ever, probably Tony Ferguson versus Habib. It didn't happen. And then he started doing things that initially we thought it was a joke or a meme or something like that. So he said, I'm going to go and fight in an island. And we said, haha, you know, that's, that's fun. And actually he did it. So he tried really hard. He didn't succeed. And again, it's not that uh, this is not about UFC. What I liked is the spectacle of someone who did not, who did not say, well, what can you do? That through his, his hands up says, it is what it is. No, it's someone who says, I'm not going to compromise with this. I'm not going to accept that, that, that this is the new normal and this is going to be our life. And I want to resist this retreat of civilization, literally. Remind me the scene of Atlas Rugged, if you remember, where Dagny goes to a factory and there are these weeds because the factory is abandoned. And without realizing in an act of fury, she, she, she takes away these, uh, the, <coughs> these, uh, these weeds because she says, no, I want to resist that. And this is how I saw Dana White. And again, there were so many people, all these businessmen who, before the government gave these rules, they would put these plastic things in the till that would make you feel safer. All these people who, again, did not did not just say, well, this is the new situation. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to do anything, but actually fought so that we can have back our life and what makes our life beautiful and which is what makes this a society and a civilization. Yay, Dana White. He kept, he sustained me during this lockdown. There was, there was uh, no greater joy for me, almost, I have to say. Then every Saturday night on ESPN, I would tune into a, a UFC fight on Fight Island, and it gave me hope that there were people out there uh, fighting this uh, fighting this vaccine instead of cowering in a cave somewhere and waiting for it to pass overhead. Well, so now my thing here is, uh, <laughs> I think 2020 has you know it's been an awful year in so many ways, but it's also seen a great migration, like in the in the early 20th century there was a great migration of African-Americans from the South into the North, away from Jim Crow, away from the plantation politics of the South and into liberty. And today, this, we, we're seeing the same thing happening politically today, where independent-minded African-Americans are breaking away from the plantation politics of, of the Democratic Party, which frankly it is. It's a, it, espouses a, it espouses a politics of, of dependence and determinism, uh, that you can't rise above. And there's been multiple um, African-American media presences to me who have been, uh, who have been the voice of reason. Uh, of course, there's the old, the old schools of, of uh, Thomas Sowell and Walter Williams who have, have eternally been ringing the, the alarm bell in the night. But we have, we have the Candace Owens, who I disagree with on many, on many phenomena, but she represented 
uh, independent, strong movement of human beings who decided to stand against uh, stand against uh, politics as usual. And there's 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 smaller social media presences like Leonidas Johnson, Malcolm Flex, Eric uh, Eric July, who's a libertarian, and the the guy who heads up um, uh, Black Guns Matter. Um, these people are all independent independent thinkers who uh, are stridently against the, the racial politics that's going on now and the intersectionality that seems to be taking over for, for rational value judgment. And they're forging their own path unapologetically in the world. And I admire them. I'm following in their footsteps and using them as an example to be brave myself. So thank you, you independent thinkers out there. Thank you, Leonidas Johnson. I was also on his show. Um, for being a, 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 a light in the darkness. <clears throat> Good. So, fun enough, or predictably enough, also one of my categories is the intellectual rebels. But for me, it was mostly on the COVID side. So, the number one mentioned here for me has to be Peter Hitchens. And this was such a surprise, because I always knew that Hitchens is one of the best writers and the best orators, but... I had so big disagreements with him. But the way he stood up to this pandemic from the very beginning, and for me, this is the crucial thing. Where did you, when did you realize that you need to speak up? In my opinion, June and July is too late. So Peter Hitchens is one. And actually, the thing that I remember for this year, uh, you know, sometimes there are some lines or some slogans that give their signature to, to an era. For example, in the war, it was keep calm and carry on. During the, the darkness of the lockdowns, every night, Peter Hitchens, his final tweet would be, good night, adults, wherever you are. I have mm. no idea why. This had a huge impact on me. So every night I would like it and I would feel that, yes, yeah, someone, someone is out there who, you know, who, who, there, there are still independent thinkers out there. Definitely also, huge shout out to Brennan O'Neill and Spiked Online. Huge shout out to our very own Razi Ginsberg. So uh, Razi made me, okay, not made me promise, but told me not to mention him in the Heroes of the Year because he said it would be super cringe. I agree, but it has to be mentioned that the Iron Center UK not only uh, did not uh, give up, but very quickly switched to online content and very quickly called the lockdowns for what they for what they are and that's why we had the, an event with brendan o'neill i think late march or early april with a title something like east tyranny here but also i need to mention some people who otherwise we have strong disagreements with and would lock horns all the time some libertarians for example jeffrey tucker and the think tank he's working the american institute for economic research they have done a really good work when it comes to when it comes to to the lockdowns and and again it's very easy it's very easy to be consumed by the fear and throw all your principles out of the window and say well these principles don't count now because we're in a pandemic so it's good to have these voices that say you know what there's there's some other voices out there and and also use good statistics also we were discussing it before the show Again, Tom Wood, someone with whom otherwise would have major disagreements, he has done a good job uh, giving some good data that show that lockdowns is not the only solution. And quite often, not only that, they're actually very, they are a very dangerous solution. And I'm afraid that 2021 is the year that we're going to 
realize this. So to these intellectual rebels, and of course, I don't even have to mention the objective sphere because they stood their ground and they were very, very good throughout, uh, throughout this. So no need, to, no need to mention our very own people like Yaron and ARI and other people in the objective sphere. So yeah, good, good, good work. Uh, you stood your ground when it was very difficult to do so and you have shown you have character. Very good. I think it's great that you mentioned Razi and uh, Yaron because Yaron uh, especially has been a voice of reason for me, an anchor in the storm, you know, uh, and you need those voices. Otherwise you'd go absolutely crazy. So my, my next selection is sort of the face of, uh, of a whole movement. I, th I think uh, America has lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 130,000 small businesses. And right now we're poised on the brink of total destruction where even with these incoming PPP payments, another 30% of small businesses are slotted to fail despite the PPP uh, uh, payments. Uh, that is an enormous economic catastrophe. And I wanna give a shout out to Angela Marsden who became famous making a video highlighting the hypocrisy of the California, particularly Los Angeles government in approving a film set uh, dining uh, section right next to her restaurant where her outdoor dining was actually banned. So her restaurant was being uh, strangled, uh, choked by Garcetti and, uh, and Newsom while a movie set was allowed to proceed with basically the same rules with even more, more people. She, she became an internet sensation, I, I'd like to think in part because of me. I happen to know Angela. She went to Playhouse West, the theater company that I teach at, and the owner of the bar. She's the co-owner of the bar, I believe, but the, one of the co-owners as well is a very dear friend of mine as well. Um, and that's just accidental. But she became the face of an entire movement by highlighting the hypocrisy and the arbitrariness of the lockdowns. And, um, and she, ha she stood up at a time when people weren't really standing up and becoming the public face for this kind of thing. So Angela gets a shout out for standing up for all the private small businesses who are, who are dying right now because of the arbitrariness of this lockdowns. We need more Angela's. In fact, I saw her on uh, Fox News yesterday and they were, they were clamoring for her to become the mayor of Los Angeles and she would be a refreshing change to the, the idiot we have now. That's great. Why not think big for 2021 and the coming year? So we need something very radical if this is not to become like the decline of the West or something. So, yeah, that's the kind of people we need. And also, uh, you just remind me, I can't remember, I didn't put them on the category, the Cordero couple, uh, Linda Cordero and Quen Cordero, who had the art yes. gallery in Napa. So, again, uh, resisting... Basically, it's, it was this ridiculous idea in 2010 of essential workers. Every work is essential for your life. So they, they challenged that and they opened their gallery. Uh, there was an event they did with Anwar Center UK where they explained the struggle. So hats off to Quent and Lida Cordero. And as we're reaching the, the, end of, uh, the end of the session, my last uh, mention now, that's going to sound very not superheroic to many people, but for me, it means a lot. The people on social media and in my life who were always the first to share good news. For example, I have in mind a Twitter account, UK coronavirus good news or COVID good news, something like that. 
it's so refreshing. And again, for me, this is the biggest, how you view life. Are you one of these people who rush to give the bad news almost as if feeling some sort of satis weird satisfaction for it? Although I'm psychologized here. Or are you one of these people who are this pillar of, uh, of optimism saying that no, life will resist this. Life will go on. Life will prevail. So these people, again, I salute you. Thank you. It takes courage. And also, this is to the anonymous or non-anonymous friends I have on Twitter who always liked and retweeted the good news. You proved to me, and hopefully I've also proven to you, that you are good friends in in sense that you are the kind of people I want in my life. You are the kind of people who, if I go to war, I want you by my side. I don't want to go to war with someone who says, Oh, we're doomed. The enemies, uh, there are 10 times as many as we are. We're doomed. Now, of course, we need to be objective. We need to be reality oriented. So this does not uh, include people who say, for example, oh, all this is a hoax or whatever. But the people who understand the situation and yet said, look, I mean, if in a way, if you think about it, since March, and this is going to sound super weird, but since March, in a way, we only had mostly good news when it comes to the virus itself, not to its destruction. So, for example, uh, in terms of case fatality, of how lethal it is, of how most of its mutations were not more lethal, how very quickly we came of better understanding how to treat it, very quickly we understood more about how it spreads, then the vaccine came. So it was a year which, although it was a very disastrous year for many ways, we also had many good developments, which was the, the result of people putting their mind at work. So these people who focused on these good developments in this epic fight of humanity against the virus, again, a big thanks uh, from me. And that was my last uh, category. Well, I don't know that I want to bring up my, my final category uh, because that's a very positive note to end the show on. And I don't know that mine would necessarily go in the positive <laughs> way other than recognizing certain realities that people need to be uh, uh, woke to. But I, I think we should end it on that positive note. Okay, okay. Right, so many thanks, uh, Mark. Uh, uh, it's, it will be very interesting uh, to review this episode in, in a year and hopefully, you know, this, this, this 2021, the Heroes of 21 will be, 21 will be the year where all this will be completely reversed and life will reclaim the ground that it has lost. But again, particularly in difficult times, people who rise up have so much of my respect. And again, a huge thank you to these people. And again, I don't want to be you know, cringe and cheesy. I would extend this thank you to uh, you know, my uh, employers and my people like Razi, like you, people with whom we spend this year trying to make sense of it and trying to stand uh, tall and not be part of all this madness in one way or another that uh, characterized this year. Anyway, okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Thanks Thank to our you. viewers. Bye-bye.